96 FM. Tishuk, good morning and welcome to the Opinion Line. Good morning, PJ, and thank you. Uh, and congratulations yeah. on your elevation. Thank you. Um, well, uh, you know, down to work straight away uh, yeah. last week and uh, had a had a lot of activity in terms of um, Europe um, and in terms of Northern Ireland and in terms of um, preparing our response on the on the travel issue in relation to COVID uh, and a series of meetings with public health officials in, in particular and uh, Tony Holohan um, uh, and Ronan Glynn, uh, the, the now acting uh, chief medical officer. Um, and um, so, you know, the key issues still remain for us, um, the ongoing suppression of the virus and the absolute determination to, to keep community transmission low. Uh, as the ultimate way of, of, of engineering economic recovery. I, I will come uh, back to that, but I guess yeah. the first Cork Taoiseach since, since Jack Lynch, as a personal thing for you, what, what, like, what can we expect? What do you expect from the office? What can we expect from the first Cork Taoiseach since Jack Lynch? Well, I mean, everyone is, obviously, in terms of the, the, the time one becomes Taoiseach, the circumstances surrounding it will determine, you know, the the, the, the issues and, and, and the policies and so on. Obviously, uh, prior to COVID-19, housing and health and, and, and climate change were, were, were the big three issues. On a personal level, um, it's a great honour. It's probably the single greatest honour in, in a free republic to, to have the position of Antishuk. Uh, and I said that on the day that I was elected. Uh, I was very conscious of, of, of the legacy of Jack Lynch as a, a modest man uh, and a, uh, an even-handed uh, gentleman. Uh, he was particularly, you know, he was a good friend of my father's in, the, in their sporting years uh, with St. Nick's in the north side. And so I was brought up and reared, um, you know, on sort of a lot of the stuff about Jack Lynch, both terms of his sporting prowess uh, and subsequently his political uh, career. Uh, and we'd have been very kind of attuned to that as children growing up in Turner's Cross because the, the, the father would have canvassed for him. Um, and so on like that, you know. Um, so uh, I can recall as a 17-year-old being at the, a major rally in Patrick Street uh, during the 77 general election, which probably whetted my appetite at the time. Uh, it's, it's interesting that I was the only member of the family that was down with the father at that, so that might have been a sign of things to come without even realising it. You know? <laughs> um, I remember interviewing a young, newly elected Lord Mayor of Cork uh, many, many years ago and, and asking you, had you aspirations to be Taoiseach at the time? <laughs> What did I say to you? <laughs> you said, well, everyone would love to be Taoiseach sometime, but we'll focus on the Lord Mayor's office for now. <laughs> well, it was a wonderful year. Uh, and I, I always said Lord Mayor of Cork was one of the uh, best years of our lives because it gives... It gives and uh, Mary at the time, where, you know, she was a very active lady, Maurice, but we just got a fantastic insight into the, into, into the city of Cork, the society of Cork, all the volunteer organisations, the extraordinary contribution that people make every day in their lives through different organisations, be it Rotary, be it the Lions Club... Uh, be it Marymount Hospice for yeah. Defence of Marymount Hospice. That's what the Lord Mayor, I think, yeah. leaves you with when you finish the year. And it was, a huge, it was a huge platform for me politically subsequently in understanding how Irish society ticks. You, you, had, a, you had a much easier first week in that office than, than you've <laughs> just had in, in the one you're in now. Um, and if I bring a few names to mind, Michael Moynihan, Billy Kelleher, Barry Cowan, John McGuinness. It's, it's not been a comfortable first week, Taoiseach. No, and I, I realised, particularly in terms of ministerial appointments, I knew in advance that the day I would be making those ministerial appointments uh, that the honeymoon would end very quickly uh, because simply there was not enough positions uh, to allocate. Um, and I think the fact that Fianna Fáil were not in government for 10 years, it was all a pent-up desire, expectation, 
that you know, for an, from an individual and personal point of view, that people would be would, would get a ministerial office. Uh, but there was uh, five ministerial offices, senior ministerial offices at Tallicate, and there was um, eight junior ministers after that. Um, and clearly, uh, people were going to be disappointed, and people were disappointed. Mm. I understand that. Some uh, people were more than disappointed. Some people were actually very, very angry. They're very angry, yeah. And, but, and, and made but, no secret of it. They didn't, but, but I would make the point that, um, you know, the, the, the key issue, though, we can't take our focus off what the key issues are for the general public and the people out there, which is to continue to suppress COVID. And, for example, you know, I'm focused on, as I said today, you know, at the, cab- at the, at the Cabinet meeting, yeah. we'll deal with the travel issue, the schools issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big issue to make sure we get our kids back to school at the mm-hmm. end of August. Uh, the job stimulus program in, 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 in July, we'll have a further meeting this week yeah. on that. Those are the issues, really, that we have to concentrate on and focus on. People will be disappointed, people will be angry, but there simply isn't enough positions how, for everybody. How did, you know, how, how did you not know that a senior member of your front bench and one of your leaders leading lieutenants in that part of the country didn't have a drink driving conviction. How did you know? How did you not know? I didn't know. Um, I wasn't uh, aware and he certainly didn't make, make me aware at the time. In all the meetings um, and all the common and all the call and dog counter meetings up and down the country it well, never it, came out. It seems from his perspective that he was, you know, he was very uh, ashamed of it and he has said that uh, and um, uh, he, he did, you know, he, he, he's acknowledged he didn't uh, say it to, 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 to me or to colleagues because uh, he was deeply, deeply ashamed and embarrassed at the fact that uh, that incident occurred uh, back in 2016 and it was uh, a terrible lapse of judgment on his behalf and he's acknowledged that and he's made a full apology and he also, you know, justice was meted out to him in accordance with, with the law at the time. But he was the, also on a provisional licence at 49 years of age and driving for years as a member of the front bench. It's a bit strange, isn't it? Well, look, in life, people, in all our lives, I mean, certainly one would have thought a full licence might have been secured earlier, but I don't know the background to that, and quite a number of people historically in Ireland drove on provisional licences for they quite did. considerable length of time. They, they shouldn't have. No, I mean, I, I mean, I take that point. Mm. Billy Kelleher, um, what did you make of that? When you saw him there at the convention centre, did it occur to you that he should probably have been quarantining somewhere? Well, it didn't. To be honest, I mean, that day was, you can appreciate, um, I I was kind of ushered in when I came down to the the centre um, and it didn't register me on the day. Um, uh, as you know, um, we were very clear that Mary and the, and, and the family couldn't come up yes. uh, because of the, of the COVID restrictions. Um, and um, so I think he's, he's, he's acknowledged he shouldn't have he'd done that and he's apologised. Uh, Did again, you know he was coming? No, no, I didn't, no. Um, I hadn't thought of that the MEPs would be there at all, you know, um, because they've only just, I think, started going back to Brussels. Um, because, as you know, they weren't meeting either physically for quite some time. Mm. Um, and um, even though politicians are classed as essential workers, um, but nonetheless, there was no need for for, for him to be at the um, at, at, at the. At, at surprised to see meeting. him then. No, I just, well, I, I mean, yeah, at the time, I just I didn't take there's a lot going on that day. To be fair, yeah, 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 yeah you know, I mean, there was a lot more serious stuff going on that day, and um, 
there's a maze of people just shaking hands and, and not just sorry, not shaking hands, but yeah, I noticed gestures. that it was it was it was it was tearing you apart not to be shaking hands because I could see that and you walk you walk in. Let's get to another couple of, of of different issues and particularly ones that arise throughout the course of the of the pandemic. We got a text last night from uh, a woman behind the petition to extend the pandemic maternity leave. Any move on that? People whose maternity leave has been affected by this pandemic. Can we can we get the extension for them? That's going to be considered uh, this week at the Cabinet Subcommittee um, on, on Economic Recovery um, and, and the Job Stimulus. And I know uh, Minister Grant and the Minister of Finance will be um, bringing uh, recommendations in relation to that to us. Um, but I can't say it right here and now as uh, to any def- definitive decision on that. Will it need legislation to extend it for them? It may very well need legislation, yes. Yeah. Okay. And could that be done? Well, yeah, but I mean, look, I think it's been examined um, and um, obviously the government is in one week, uh, but that has been examined and uh, we'll see what we can do in relation to that. Did you receive uh, a, an email over the weekend from Louise O'Keefe, a, a woman you will, of course, know well, Michal, um saying that a year ago uh, your predecessor, Leo Bradcar, promised to include abuse survivors in uh, an ex-gratia redress scheme. Nothing's happened. Will you be able to address well, that for Louise? I think the... Yes, we're going to. Be, we will be addressing that issue, but I'm not so sure. It's fair to say nothing has happened. I think the redress scheme, uh, the review of it, is being progressed. Um, and certainly, look, I'm very well aware of that situation uh, because I dealt with, you know, as you know, with John Allen and, and others in Cork and with victims in Limerick um, who had been excluded from the original redress scheme on, on the basis of the criteria that was set. Um, but uh, you know, we, we will be addressing that and dealing with that. But um, and, and since the since last year, um, a review of it has taken place. So hopefully um, um, we'll be able to deal with that fairly quickly. Okay, quickly, as in weeks, months? I know, certainly within the next um, short while, you know. Um, I, I, I'm speaking to the Minister of Education in relation to it, uh, and I'll talk to, 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 the, to the Department and um, of Education. And we look, we'll get moving on it. Uh, I'm acutely aware of... Are, 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 you say, are you making a commitment, Taoiseach, that it will be sorted? For well, I'm, when, when we have something to announce, I'll announce it, PJ, um, and uh, I know the issues, uh, and I... Um, I'm very committed to trying to get a resolution of that for those who who are in particular difficulty as a result of what happened um, and who have financially received um, nothing at all uh, and were not really in a position to avail of the outgoing um, Exercio scheme. Let us turn, and you said you'd be discussing in the Cabinet today, let us turn to the issue of, of travel because the previous government gave a pathway to what we might call safe travel. And you've taken that pathway and, and torn it up. What are you going to do? How do you mean torn it up? Um, well, well, they said the 9th, then you said no, not the 9th. Now people won't know what's happening until the 20th or beyond. Yeah, well, today the Cabinet will meet and make formal decisions in relation to that. We had the Cabinet subcommittee on COVID on Friday. The public health advice is extremely cautious now in relation to opening up for travel. Uh, and what we, we are developing um, a methodology uh, around which Ireland, um, you know, a, a green list could be developed uh, of countries to where, uh, where it would be safe to travel. Um, but that said, given the international volatility, you can see what's happening in the United States. You could see what happened in Catalonia mm. over the weekend mm. where large regions were again shut down. Um, countries, for example, that would have made the safe list two weeks ago wouldn't make it today. 
Um, so look, the overarching objective is to suppress the virus and keep it down. Mm. If, if it, there is a fear that international travel um, could reignite the virus, if you like, and cause spikes to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, what is our priority? To me, the two immediate priorities on the COVID side, it seems to me, is one, to get our schools safely open and to get as many schools fully open as possible. And that will take up a lot of effort over the next number of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, for example, there was to be a spike over the next number of weeks, that could jeopardize that uh, right. objective. Right. Secondly, non-COVID disease and illnesses. That strand of medicine, if you like, and health was was extremely restricted because of, of COVID-19 itself and the prevalence of it in hospitals, you know, in terms of the ICU beds that were taken up, with the result that there's been long delays in terms of hips and, and, and knee operations and a variety of diagnostics. And now that critical care beds are down to about, I think there were 13 people now nationally in critical care beds, which is a very significant progress and a big achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to get moving and, and keep that capacity free okay. to enable us to get what I would say the non-COVID diseases yeah. to get a lot of the diagnostics. We've had a good explanation in fairness from Dr. Tomas Ryan this morning of how great it would be to get to this zero zero for for 28 days and, and we should all make the effort towards it. But you'll, yeah. you'll be aware that Pat Dawson, another man you'll know well from the Irish Travel Agents Association has been speaking up for the last number of weeks on, on behalf of many, many families countrywide who, who ploughed money into a summer holiday before we ever knew anything about this pandemic and now because the flight will take off they will lose their money if they're not on it and, and, and they're they're angry. Well, I mean, the, the travel advisory for the last while has been very strong that it's not advised to travel. Oh, yes, but people had yeah. things booked and paid for before yeah. that ever existed. And, and there was existing scheme. There was an existing scheme that it can help some people in, in, in that area, but not all. Um, but we have to put public health first. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, the... the, the uh, that, and that is the overarching issue because if, if like the, the, the only way we can get the economy back is if we keep the community transmission of the virus down. Uh, we could jeopard, we don't need a second wave. A second wave, I think, would be a disaster for the economy uh, and for the, for the country in terms of, of, of the impact on the finances of the country. Mm. Uh, I mean, we're heading for a deficit of uh, the mid 20s, could be higher, yeah. a billion. Uh, so, so that, you know, it's not an empty, it, it's not a bottomless pit of, of, of funding that's available for everything. Were you um, concerned by scenes of people overdoing it at the weekend? We were, and in fact, we, ha- we will have a report um, from, the, from the Gardaí at today's Cabinet meeting. Uh, on Friday, we had uh, asked the Gardaí to commence an operation. Operation Navigation mm. happened from about 7pm, um, and about 5,500 inspections of license, license premises took place. Now, it has to be said that, in general, the majority of, the license, of, of, of licensees were compliant, but there were breaches of the regulations, um, and that is a big worry. Might you lock them um, down again if they continue well, to breach the law or breach, you know, breach the regulations? As you know, the, the, the full opening was to take place on the 20th of July, um, and you know people do need to behave, um, um, and people need to... Are you saying the if they don't, that might be delayed? It could be delayed, yes, um, and, and, we're, and uh, we'll get advice from the public health officials. We are worried about it, um, and, and some of the scenes that were witnessed are just um, very worrying, because uh, social distancing was not being complied with at all during a number of the inspections, um, and the opening hours issue weren't, you know, the, uh, weren't, weren't being adhered to either. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then you have the, you know, some in some cases licensed premises sold alcohol off for, for off consumption. Mm. 
Um, you seem and, to be uh, suggesting to <coughs> both the prem those that are open and, and those that are going to visit them, everyone needs to cop themselves on or the next stage mightn't happen. Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, I think that's a fair assessment, PJ. Yeah, that is a fair assessment. We can't risk it. You know, we have to take, you know, I think we don't want to, in fairness, as I said, the majority were compliant. Now, we don't want to injure or undermine the majority because people have to survive and yeah. they have businesses and so on like that. Because uh, there is a thing about punishing the many for the sins of the few, which is very yeah. hard to do. Yes, correct. Um, but I think there's an obligation on everybody uh, to behave here, and indeed on ourselves, again, as, as, as the public. I mean, individual responsibility matters here. It's been the key from the very beginning of, 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 of this virus uh, in terms of how, you know, if you remember at the beginning, we all complied in terms of social distancing, hand etiquette, washing hands. Uh, that's slipping a bit uh, because as the numbers go down, people get a bit more complacent. Yes. Uh, but we have seen what's happened in some European countries, Portugal, Spain, um, where numbers went back, went wrong again. Okay. You know? uh, and that is that, that will be the, you know, our driving um, uh, um, objective, objective Briefly and finally before I let you go two issues are kind of roll into one because they do the Debenhams workers who still haven't had any kind of a proper deal from their former employers and indeed many other people who will, will run into mortgage arrears loan arrears they'll worry about being evicted they'll worry about their homes over their the home over their head because of this pandemic any reassurance for them that the government will take care of them? Yeah, well, we've two things there. First of all, we have to look at the legislative framework again, governing what happened there in Debenhams, because what happened was wrong. Uh, and I think we're going to have to look at uh, making sure companies don't exploit workers like that again in terms of how they structure their companies uh, and in terms of the, uh, you know, the, then the avoidance of, of paying uh, redundancies and so on, and 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 and, and what the workers are entitled to, to them, uh, and obviously, you know, we the state has statutory obligations in that regard, uh, but that's not, you know, that that in itself isn't at the level that workers could have realistically expected, um, particularly from their employers. Um, and um, in relation to the broader issues, you know, we're going to be very careful that no one, com- com- you know, that there's no cliff. Uh, you know, you come off a cliff in terms of the income you're currently okay. on, or in terms of homelessness is bad enough without loads of more people losing their homes. Well, this. we would like to see: can we use this as an opportunity to make sure we don't? Um, you know, that we can first of all available premises that are out there now because to, uh, to, to try and reduce homelessness even more, and particularly the emergency uh, housing situation. There's been some alleviation of that, uh, but there might be an opportunity to get that done further. Okay. All right. Listen, I'll leave it there for you today. I've no doubt we'll we'll talk again. Uh, and good luck for the next Thanks, uh, two and a half years. Uh, Me, Michal Martin on Taoiseach. Thank you very much. Corks ninety six FM.